Chapter Seventeen of the Albert Gate Mystery by Louis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Seventeen: The Yacht Bluebell. After breakfast, the party adjourned to their sitting room, and there Brett detailed his immediate plan of action. The first point to determine is an important one, he said which of you three sir hubert fitzjames talbot or fairholme looks most like a frenchman the trio at once began to scrutinize each other carefully to edith's intense amusement i am afraid uncle she laughed we must rule you out at once you have british major-general late indian army stamped so plainly on you that here in marseilles a port accustomed to the weekly transit of p and o passengers the smallest child could not fail to identify you and as for you bobby good gracious you are painfully anglo-saxon i am afraid jack that we must decide against you that is to say i suppose it hurts your vanity to be taken for a frenchman but you must not forget that mademoiselle beaucaire thought you were good-looking and i suppose she adopts parisian standards jack was amused by his sister's raillery it is gratifying to find he said that there are some handsome frenchmen but may i ask brett why you wish one of us to haul down the british flag because it is necessary that some one should keep a close eye on gros jean and the tags as a matter of fact miss talbot is doubly right sir hubert fitzjames might possibly be made up to represent en vieux moustache but it is essential that he should speak french well then cried sir hubert decisively i am out of court because my french is weak and i always want to go off into hindustani whenever i open my mouth why even this morning when i rang for my hot water i said to the waiter gurum panilao i am sure he thought i was swearing at him very well concurred the barrister it comes back to you talbot and i regret to inform you that for the next few hours you must be content with the inferior cooking and accommodation of the jolie femme hotel if you will come out with me now i will get you rigged up in a cheap french suit that and a supply of bad cigarettes will provide a sufficient disguise for your purpose you must pack a few belongings in a green tin box and betake yourself to the jolie femme do not make any inquiries about Grosjean. Simply watch him. But what about the Turks? said Talbot. Perhaps two of these scoundrels may be the identical pair who accompanied Dubois to Albert Gate. It is possible that they may recognize me at once. No, said Brett decisively. This is a different gang. The two men who committed the murders never came to Paris. Dubois would not hear of it, I am certain if you act with discretion i am sure they will never suspect you can't you find me a job demanded fairholme yes a most pleasant one it will be your duty to accompany miss talbot and sir hubert and show them the sights of marseilles 
i will meet you here at luncheon but we probably cannot see mr talbot again until late to-night when he will have an opportunity to come here quietly and detail the results of his observations of course he added addressing the young man directly if anything important happens during the day you know where to find me either personally or by messenger it was natural that edith's first steps with her lover and uncle would tend towards the scene of her overnight adventure but miss talbot was a clear-headed girl and took no risks she knew well that in a chance encounter the sharp eyes of marie and eugenie might pick her out unless she was to some extent shrouded from observation so she donned a large paris hat and a smart costume which with the addition of a thick veil rendered her very unlike the girl who twelve hours earlier was pursuing a recalcitrant lover secure in the changed appearance effected by these garments and especially in the escort of two so english-looking persons as lord fairholme and sir hubert fitzjames she walked with them down the cambiere and on the quay she showed them the street up which she pursued mademoiselle beaucaire and the point on the wharf whence the fishing smack took her departure into the unknown then they strolled back around the harbour still pursuing the track of edith's midnight wanderings when fairholme suddenly whistled with amazement by jove look here he cried that's a piece of luck he pointed to the upper part of the basin in which a number of smart yachts were anchored side by side marseilles is a natural point of departure for mediterranean tours and many yacht owners sent their vessels here to be coaled and stored for projected trips what is it queried edith when she could see nothing in the locality indicated save the vessels and the small expanse of water dancing in the rays of a bright sun the very best thing that could have happened this is daubeny's yacht the bluebell yes so i see it would be charming if we had time to go for a run along the riviera but i am afraid whilst mr brett controls our energies amusement of that sort will be out of our reach not a bit of it you don't see my point edith daubeny is a first-rate chap and a thorough sportsman suppose it becomes necessary for us to follow up dubois and his fishing smack and we let daubeny into the know the bluebell would pursue the belle-sœur to china he would ask no better fun i tell you that brett will be delighted when he hears of it yes dear but we do not even know that mr daubeny is in marseilles let us go and see it doesn't matter a pin anyhow because a telegram from me to him would place the yacht at our disposal and he would join us by express at the first possible stopping place you do not know what a good chap daubeny is no said edith shortly he is evidently a most useful acquaintance it is a most curious fact that young ladies in the engaged stage regard their fiancés male friends with extreme suspicion 
the more enthusiastic the man the more suspicious the woman fairholme sublimely unconscious of this feminine weakness continued to dilate upon the superlative excellencies of daubeney until they reached the yacht itself a smartly attired sailor was pretending to find some work in carefully uncoiling a rope which did not satisfy his critical eye before fairholme could hail the man a rotund form encased in many yards of blue serge surmounted by a jolly-looking face on top of which was perched an absurdly small yachting cap emerged from the companion why there he is shouted the earl hallo daubeney yoicks tellio the person addressed in this startling manner stopped as though he had been shot he gazed at the sky and then gravely surveyed the gilded statue that surmounts the picturesque church of notre dame de la garde here i am you idiot continued fairholme i am not in a balloon i am on the quay come here quick i want to introduce you to edith and sir hubert luckily miss talbot's dark doubts had vanished after one keen glance at daubeney he was evidently a safe friend for her future husband such a fat and hail-fellow-will-meet individual could not possibly harbour guile so she passed over without reference the extent of daubeney's acquaintance concerning herself implied by the use of her christian name indeed was there not a compliment in fairholme's unconscious outspokenness if he only discussed her charms with daubeney then daubeney was a man to be cultivated the meeting on the quay was hearty in the extreme and the honourable james daubeney further ingratiated himself by saying even if lord fairholme had not told me who you were miss talbot i should have known you at once that would be very clever of you purred edith oh no there is nothing remarkable in the fact i assure you he always sat in his chambers so that he could look at your photograph and as in addition to that speaking likeness i know the colour of your hair your eyes your teeth even i could not be mistaken miss talbot thought mr daubeney rather curious but still he was very nice and unquestionably the services of the bluebell might be more than useful so she was graciousness personified in her manner and promptly determined to invite him to luncheon thinking that the chance direction of their conversation with mr brett might lead towards the use of the yacht being hinted at she counted without fairholme the letter slapped his heavy friend on the back look here old chap are you fixed up for a cruise plenty of coal champagne and all that sort of thing loaded to the gunwales that's all right because we may want the bluebell for a month or so there she is said daubeney fit to go anywhere and do anything miss talbot had never heard such extraordinary conduct in her life she wondered how two women would have conducted the negotiations the question was too abstruse so she gave it up and contented herself instead with accepting daubeney's hearty request that they should inspect the yacht 
the bluebell was an extremely smart little ship of two hundred and fifty tons register and an ordinary speed of twelve knots incidentally miss talbot discovered that the owner made the vessel his home he was never happy away from her and the bluebell was known to every yachtsman from the hebrides to the golden horn to eke out her coal supply she was fitted with sails and daubigny assured his fair visitor that the bluebell could ride out a gale as comfortably and safely as any craft afloat altogether miss talbot congratulated herself on fairholme's discovery and she could not help hoping that their strange errand to marseilles might eventuate in a mediterranean chase when the tour of inspection had ended daubigny suggested an excursion i understand you have never been to marseilles before miss talbot in that case what do you say if we run over and see the chateau d'if the place that dumas made famous you know is it far said edith oh not very about a mile across the harbour monte cristo swam the distance you know after his escape shall we go in the yacht daubigny bubbled with laughter well not exactly miss talbot you cannot swing a ship of this size about so easily as all that you know i have another craft alongside that will suit our purpose he whistled to a tiny steam lounge which edith had not noticed before and without further ado the party seated themselves they sped rapidly down the harbour and out through the narrow entrance between the lighthouses no sooner did edith behold the splendid panorama of rocky coast that encloses the great outer bay with its blue waters studded with delightful little islands through which fishing-boats and small steam-tugs threaded their way towards different points on the coast then she clasped her hand with schoolgirl delight i had no idea she said that marseilles was half so beautiful why it is a wonderful place i have always read about it being hot and dirty it certainly is untidy but to wash its citizens would take away all the romance as for the climate being hot just imagine a day like this in the middle of november can you possibly think what the sensation would be if you were plunged into a london fog at this moment mr daubigny i have hardly ever seen one he replied i take mighty good care to be far removed from my beloved country during the fog season she sighed what is it to be a man and to be able to roam about the world unfettered it all depends upon the meaning of the word unfettered said daubigny have you got any sisters miss talbot they all laughed at his inconsequent question it was impossible to resist daubigny's buoyant good nature and edith felt certain that in half an hour she would be calling him jimmy they sped across the waves towards the chateau d'if and drew up alongside its small landing stage the island supplies an all-the-year-round resort for the townspeople every fine day a steamer runs at intervals to and fro between it and the inner harbour the good folk of the south of france where the marseillaise are visitors to the city 
find a constant delight in taking the short marine excursion and wandering for half an hour about the rocky pathways and steep turrets of the famous prison whilst they listen with silent awe to the words of the guide when he tells them how the abbe died and shows them the hole between the two walls excavated by monte cristo so the english visitors found themselves in the midst of a number of laughing light-hearted french sightseers they wandered round with the crowd until edith looked at her watch it is past twelve o'clock she said should we not going back to the hotel to lunch you will come with us of course mr daubeny i am famished with expectation answered the irrepressible jimmy but before we go away you certainly ought to climb to the leads and get the panoramic view of the harbour which the tower affords on a clear day it is a sight to be remembered i promise you so they made the ascent daubeny leading in his capacity of guide though he was quite breathless when they reached the top of the steps edith followed him and to her alarm perceived that he was purple in the face he tried to smile and indicated by a gesture that he would recover in a minute meanwhile he was speechless fairholm was next up he had hardly set a foot on the roof before he exclaimed well i'm damned edith turned around quickly what on earth is the matter she cried why are you using such horrid language mr daubeny only hurried a little too fast that is all fairholm dropped his voice to a whisper look he said indicating with his eyes a distant corner edith followed his glance and instantly comprehended the cause of his startled exclamation for in that quiet spot far removed from watchful police or inquisitive hotel servants stood four men whom she could not fail to recognize as grosjean hussein al-malk and the two other turks although of course until this moment she had never previously set eyes on them she instantly understood that they must continue to talk and act in the guise of ordinary tourists in this respect the presence of daubeny was invaluable for he naturally could not guess the community of interests between his aristocratic friends and the motley group in the corner as soon as he regained his breath edith and he commenced a lively conversation sir hubert joined them and in the course of their casual stroll around the tower they passed close to the frenchman and his companions attracting a casual glance from the former who instantly set them down as english people bound for the east and whiling away a few hours in marseilles prior to the departure of their steamer but another surprise awaited them a small staircase led to the top of the turret which as already described formed part of the angle that sheltered the group of men when edith and the others strolled past the door they glanced inside and caught sight of a shabby-looking frenchman who had paused half-way up the stairs and was leaning eagerly forward through an embrasured loophole obviously intent on hearing every word uttered by the quartet beneath 
fortunately edith who was nearest to the door was completely shrouded from grosjean's observation else that astute gentleman might have noticed her involuntary start of surprise for the shabby-looking frenchman was her brother the instant talbot heard footsteps he naturally turned to see who it was that approached and he also was amazed to find edith's wandering eyes fixed upon him at a distance of only a few feet she nodded her head and placed a warning finger on her lips as it happened daubeney caught her in the act and for the next few moments that gentleman's emotions were intense not to say painful who would have thought it he muttered to himself a girl like her making secret signs to a dirty scoundrel of that sort the beggar was good-looking of course but what oh well i give it up poor old fairholm what funny creatures women are to be sure how much farther this soliloquy might have proceeded we know not for edith sharply interrupted his thoughts you seem to be preoccupied mr daubeney what has happened she inquired i i really don't know his distress was so unmistakable that her quick woman's wit divined the true cause they had now sauntered some distance away from the part of the tower that might be marked as dangerous so she grasped jimmy's ponderous arm and whispered with a delightful smile you saw me make signs to that frenchman didn't you well um i um oh yes i understand of course you were surprised but don't jump now or say anything he is my brother she need not have warned daubeneas to any remarks he might feel inclined to make for her announcement again rendered him speechless it is a mystery she whispered a deep secret we will tell you all about it at lunch End of chapter seventeen